T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, you ready, everybody? Jim Hackett, Pete Davidson, back at you. It is Monday. This is the the back to back to back to back to back podcast marathon of the NFL draft, and uh, it's actually it's good to get a little rhythm going here, Pete. So we knocked out uh, one about a week and a half ago that was kind of like an overview, and then Friday we did the quarterbacks, which added a little color to a four thousand word article that you put up over the weekend, which is great, by the way. I think it was pretty in depth. <laughs> And not to be not to be pushed aside is now the three thousand word article of the forty receivers as to quote Cliff Clavin, none of which have been in my kitchen. <laughs> and I will, very good. I will vote. Uh, uh, excuse me. I will quote um, Mel Brooks's King Louis. And uh, actually, I totally just lost my train of thought. Was it? Oh no, no. What you were saying before, uh, Cliff Clavin. The, the, no, the back to back to back to back podcasts. Yeah. yeah. When King Louis said, uh, I just did it and I'm ready to do it again. So, yeah. <laughs> we're actually thinking of renaming this podcast. So, if you, you can tweet at Rotobon and at Rotobon Hacksaw. That's me. And tell us if you like this, which is the, instead of the fantasy football <laughs> podcast, boring, we, we were thinking about calling it the Dead Reference Society because we know that a lot of our references are purely for our own amusement and about 10 other people. But if, if you like them, we'll keep rolling. Yeah, we have like, if a reference is given in the forest and nobody's around to hear yeah, it, yeah. it's the same as if we said it in a group I, I, full we've, of people. We've got, we've got people who like it because I get, I get like little, you know, like uh, shout outs on, on Twitter. But yeah, let us know. I kind of like the, the dead reference society. I think it's just, a good, just good so name you know, for us. Just so you know, I got your joke. Um, <laughs> Again, the dead reference society. Yeah. But uh, here we're going to get into receivers, okay? And uh, this is a, um, a much ballyhooed quarterback class, which we've gotten into a lot, sure. and, and that's merited. And I'm uh, one of the, the ballyhooers. Yep, and I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, and there's some you know, some new news emerging about maybe Lamar Jackson, which is kind of tantalizing for us New England Patriots fans. Um, but it's also a strong running back class. It's also a pretty top-heavy tight end class. But the receivers, I guess there's one word to describe it, Pete, and it's depth. There's a lot of them. Yeah, depth. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Dramamine would be, <laughs> would be another one. I I just it's not look it's not the most exciting class in the world. It kind of reminds um, me of the one a couple of years ago where like Josh Doxson was the top one. There was it seems like there was a lot and that was coming off a great class. Remember that yeah. great class? A few was it, I don't think it was like thirteen or uh, or 14. fourteen was the class. Fourteen was the class. From heaven. Yeah. yeah. So this is the, the this is kind of like the fifteen class. It looks like I mean a lot of names but not a lot of differentiation. Yeah. Is that fair? You know what the difference is between this class and that class? There were guys at the top of that class that I really didn't like. Mm. Like, I mean, I just didn't love Treadwell at all. Um, and he's not showing a whole yeah, lot. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I, I listen, I think I had him ranked in my top four like everybody else. But, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I like the guys at the top of this class. They're just, you know, you know, if you, you know, we're used to having at least one alpha Be- Beckham or yeah. Julio or AJ Green or somebody like that in each class. And this class doesn't have... 
one of those guys. Um, you do have an Equinemia St. Brown, though. I mean, from Notre great. Dame. I love, well, what a name. That's a great name. I'm yeah. also a big fan of Dylan Cantrell when it comes to names. Mm. As I said in my article, he's got a rock and roll name. Yep. Um, uh, Simi Cobbs is another good name. There's there's some good names in this class. But, um, you know, and, and, and it's funny. Like, I don't. <laughs> In some ways, I don't like to say, "Oh, there's no alpha guy in this class," because I don't want to. I don't want to knock these guys down. Yeah, uh, you know, these guys have earned their standing, and you know, they're they're having their moment. And uh, I have done my due diligence. It's just, it's a tough class. I, I admit, it's been keeping me up at night. It, it's not so much that I'm having trouble putting grades on these players. Mm. I know what I think of each of these players. It's just that the grades are so close for so many of yeah. them yeah. that when you're breaking them into tiers and when you're just grouping them within a tier, it's hard. It's hard to separate these guys. Um, We've also been spoiled, too, with the receivers. that have been, uh, that, I mean, the, it's a receiver league now. You yeah. know what I mean, in the NFL? And there's just yeah. so many good ones, and there's yeah. so much that comes with a receiver, like the way the position has changed a little bit and yeah. how the slot receiver is so magnified, particularly up here in New England. And, you know, you need guys who can stretch the field and this and that. And, and there's so many different Great ones. I mean, really great yeah. ones and well, that, good ones, you know? Certainly, like the slot receiver used to be a specialist. Now he's getting close to a regular. Right. You know, like your st- your slot is almost a starter now. And, and on some teams, clearly. For most, I think it, it is. is a starter. Yeah. Like, I mean, for the Patriots, that's been the case for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and and believe me, I thought about rather than just ranking this class, literally dividing it by flavor and, and, and you know, by position or mm. style or whatever. Um, but I didn't want to confuse our readers that much. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of stuck to the traditional method. But um, I, I, as I say in the article, you know, where the rubber's really going to meet the road post-draft when we start saying, okay, now we have a skill set and we have an offense to join it to. Yeah. We can really sort of now the, the you know, it's, it, you know, it's sort of it, the, the chemical reaction can take place now. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to put these two things together and see how it fits, um, you know. And, you know, hopefully it's not like the chemistry lab where, hey, what's that smell? Um, remember that from high school? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Walk. What yeah. happens when you're putting nitroglycerin and <laughs> Why does K-Building smell like somebody just... Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> K-Building was a science building at my high school. Ah. So anyway, um, I really do like a lot of these players. They're just not... And, you know, maybe this is sort of the fact that I've been playing Dynasty football for several years yeah. now. And, you know... I, I look in, I look at a, a an incoming class in terms of how can they help me. Yeah, you're looking it, for it differentiation and where you can get the gem and the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I want to profit. I want to do well. Yeah, uh, I want to I want to enjoy my first round draft pick. And you know, if you're at the end of the first round in a rookie draft this year, depending on how the land spot, landing spots shake out, you know, eh, it may not be that much fun. Um, you know, you're, you're it's it may leave you wanting. Well, let me throw a different idea out then. So your article will be up today, okay? And the article's deep. I mean, it should be up by the time this is posted. It should. Yeah, yeah. So you should you should have it in front of you. So Pete's got six tiers of receivers, okay, and they go from one to forty. All right. So there's a lot there in terms of the way that you typically process the information that we give you in terms of rankings and how they fit and, and where they potentially might go and what their skill sets are. But maybe for the podcast, we go a little off. You know, do do them by. Um, how did you describe it there? Rather, flavor. Yeah, do them by flavor. Why not? Yeah. We're here. Well, we, Let's get into it that way. Yeah, we, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll do that for every guy. And, and But again, where it gets really interesting is when we can actually attach that. You know, it's like when you pair a wine with dinner. Right now, we don't know what dinner is yet. Yeah. So these guys are just bottles of wine without, 
you know, um, once we know that uh, DJ Moore is being paired with Chicken, yes, we can uh, we can make an assessment. Yes, um, but uh, I, I really I don't want to talk down this class. I but I also don't want to oversell it. I mean, I do think when we look at the top thirty, uh, you know, a couple of years from now, there are going to be a lot of big misses in there. Um, but I, I think there's there's going to be some hits as well. And and a lot of it's going to come down to not just mixing and matching and finding the right location, but some of these kids, like Antonio Callaway, I mean, I love this kid's game, but he's an absolute nightmare off the field. So, mm. you know, we'll just have to sort of see how that ages. Well, Florida is the problem state of America in terms of <laughs> domestic problems, right? So it, it, it happens quite a bit, so that's not a shock to hear The only that. comment I have on what you just said is no comment. <laughs> absolutely not jumping in the water. Tends, tends to be true. But uh, <laughs> I, I will say this. As I, re, as I reviewed the article this morning, um, you know, one of the names that I've been hearing a lot about and actually got my eyeballs on a little bit, I, was, I want to say I was surprised not to see him in the first year. But it's a name, it's a popular name that a lot of people are going to kind of gravitate yeah. to. Too is Christian Kirk at Texas A and M. Sure, um, you have him as a tier two guy, and he's a guy. So it, this is a good conversation because he's a guy where, like, you look at the stat line versus and the, and the production versus what the forecast might be. So he strikes me as a guy if he gets to the right landing spot could really be something. But could he could he disappear if he gets to you know, say Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, Kirk is certainly a guy where if there are too many other smallish like slot type receivers on the team he goes to. Yeah. I mean, he could have a problem. Mm. Um, by the same token, he's the kind of slot receiver where if he gets on the right team that can use the, you know, the right kind of route designs and so forth, he can handle the pounding. He can be a guy who is a volume player, um, who can get yards after contact. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, if, if he gets into an offense that can get, that, that can get him the football, football consistently, he could be a 90-catch guy. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and he also is... The thing I like about Kirk is he's a tough football player. He's just sort of a good football player mm. in general. Um, you know, 20 on the bench for a guy who weighs 200 pounds, pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't see any way where he's going to be a Patriot because I, I think he's going to go before the Patriots would even remotely entertain drafting a receiver. Uh but he's the kind of guy who could do well in a Belichick offense because I think he can do a little bit of everything. He yeah. Can, you know, when he's not the primary receiver, he can block. He's got a lot of strength. Can take uh, the pounding underneath. Yeah, and he's yep. just a good, tough kid. I think he's, uh, you know, the key for him is, uh, you know, finding a team that is going to use him correctly. He's, mm. he's, he's not the kind of guy who's just going to blow you away with routes and separation. Mm. I wonder if I could maybe like a team like the Eagles, you know what I mean? Since they moved on from could Jordan be. Matthews, and I was yeah. you know went to Buffalo is, the past, you know obviously they've they've got a good slot. They right got Algalore, yeah, right. Um, uh, you know, uh, Kirk. I mean, look, we always I wear this one out, but the Saints would be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Snead is now gone, and um, you know Cameron Meredith, as much as I think is a pretty good football player, there's some injury stuff there. Uh, but again, you know, Saints probably the same kind of thing. I think they have enough needs where they're not going to use a right a second rounder on a guy like Christian Kirk or even a third. Um, but, but he's a guy I like. I, definitely a guy who the landing spot's going to matter, for yep. sure. Yep. And this is a funny year, and you hit it in the article right at the top, because you know, we're doing it at WEI, right, you know, here in Boston and throughout New England, which is Patriots country. N- not, a, not a need for, for the Pats this year. No. Not a need at all. No. Um, and, and, and maybe later. More, 
right? Even more than not a need is that they've just got a glut of talent. Yeah. And like drafting a guy who you're going to keep means you're going to be cutting a guy or two, you know? Yep. Um, and I'm they've got sure. so many other needs. So. Right. So right now it seems like they've got a big group of receivers. Once it shakes out, the, the five or six who compete the best will stick. Yep. And I think they're going to be okay, you know? Yeah. I, it's it could be interesting too, and I, we'll get into it in the uh, in the tight end podcast. But like you know, people again. I was it, just about to say I mean, if they're if they're taking something, if they're taking any kind of receiver in the first, you know, in in the round three area, it should be a tight end, not, yeah, not a receiver. But the other thing, and we talked about it in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, which was you know, people look at the Patriots roster um, composition very myopically, as I like to say, and it, where it's like, okay, they're down a tight end, we need to get a tight end. Well, look at, they, they might take Corderell Patterson and do a whole bunch of fun stuff, you know, that they've that they featured in the right. past, like what they did with Burkhead last year, or Aaron Hernandez before he went on his killing spree. You know, there's a, they've got talent that they can move around and use, so I wouldn't look at the picture that way, although the tight ends are going to be interesting to talk about as well. But Yeah, and they just picked up, uh, what, uh, they picked up Nicholas, right? Yep. So that's, you know, I think... Interesting player. I mean, a former Notre Dame and other Notre Dame. I I happen to like him. So I I thought that was a pretty darn good move. And the thing is, he slots in exactly where they wanted a guy, which is a strong blocker, a sturdy player, uh, a guy who, you know, still has some curve left. Like, yeah. this is a guy who could hit in the next couple of years, and if you know, God forbid, Gronk retired, he could be a starting tight end. Yeah, it's sneaky open too. Right. He, get he sneaky needs to open. stay healthy and, and develop a little bit. But this is a guy with some significant talent, um, and you know he's, you know, they wanted a guy. You know, Gronk obviously is a great inline tight end if you want to use him that way. But obviously, for how the Patriots use him, they're going to want him detached a, a good amount of the time. Yep. So you need that guy who can play in line. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's hit the, t- the, fr- the top tier of the uh, receivers that you have Although ranked. Although there, there is a tight end in this class that I really just, like, he just screams Patriots, and that's Hayden, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, yeah. I mean, that's that's the guy. Look, at if they, if, they, if they came out with, like, Lamar Jackson and Hayden Hurst the first round, I wouldn't be upset. And I'm, right. I'm screaming for a left tackle and a linebacker, but, you know, uh, if those two guys were there, I wouldn't be upset. There, there is one other tight end who I think would be phenomenal with the Patriots. The only thing is, I don't think he's a tight end. Um, I mean, he could play the, he could play an Aaron Hernandez hybrid kind of yeah, role. Yeah, Joker. Yeah, but I don't think he's a tight end. In fact, I know he's not a tight end. He's just not big enough. But this kid out of NC State, Jalen Samuels, mm. I, I think he would just rock the house as a Patriot. Mm. Sort of the Burkhead of of hybrid H-back kind of guys. Fun. He's just one of those guys who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, and as Elliot Christ said on the podcast I recorded uh, an hour or so before we just uh, started this one, um, Elliot referred to him as a baller, and he really is. Yeah. Kid's, kid's a baller. like that. That, that plays well up here, so yeah. we'll see. I'd love to see Jalen Samuels in New England. Mm, that sounds tantalizing. Uh, okay, so not a receiver, though, so let's move. Yeah, let's get into some. So the the, the top tier, uh, you've got four in the top tier. So you've got Calvin yeah. Ridley from And I could have gone five, and I'm almost regretting not just putting Sutton in the top tier. Yeah. Was, I was almost, you know, sometimes I do things to make a point, and I'm just sort of, I'm not as high on Sutton as a lot of people are. Mm. Um, but it's not like I think he's a dog or something like that. I mean, I think he's a guy that, you, you know, Definitely, you'd like to have him on your dynasty roster, and you'd like to have him on your NFL roster. I, my inclination, though, is I'm not going to pay the price that is ultimately paid right. for his services. Yeah. Well, that's what fantasy is all about. You know what I mean? And, and football, right? Get the value where it is. Don't overpay. Yeah. You overpay, I mean, I think, it hurts you. I, I think Sutton will be able to do some red zone stuff early in his career, but I think he's got a typical wide receiver curve. And, yeah. you know, I, I think he won't be at his best and probably probably until his third season. Yeah. 
And that's the that's the make or break year, as we've heard a million times. Well, and it's and it's it's those are tough players to take in dynasty drafts because their market value dips before it actually gets right. to where it should be. Right. And a lot of people don't want to get involved with these three year curve type players in the first round of a dynasty draft, which is where Sutton is going to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like him, but there's things that give me pause. Mm. What are some of the things? Well, you know, mostly it's that I just... He's a big receiver who plays like a big receiver yeah. for the most part. Usually likable. Well, I, well, I meant it as a negative. And, I, and you know, he doesn't... Look, we've gotten spoiled when it comes to these long body receivers. A.J. Green doesn't play like a big receiver. Yeah. Julio Jones doesn't play like a big receiver. Calvin Johnson didn't play like a big receiver. These guys get in and out of breaks and they do incredible things. Mm for long-bodied receivers. So maybe I'm just getting spoiled, but when I look at, you know, when I I, I heard about Cortland Sutton for years, and when I finally put the tape on, I'm like, really? This is Cortland Sutton? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, he didn't, I, want, I wanted him to blow me away, and he didn't. Mm. So in a way, I'm over-penalizing him. You know, it's like it's like when everybody tells you how great a movie is, and you go, and you're like, well, okay. yeah, it's got oversold. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I think I had expectations that weren't met, and maybe that, um, if I'm making a mistake, it might be holding that against yeah. him. Yeah, well, that's fair to be, though. Trying to be as open as I can about yeah. my process here. Um, so you know, I, I I could be a little bit low on him. I mean, he definitely, as as you know, as far as being a block of clay, he's a nice block of clay. Mm. But for me. My number two guy on the board is more in line with what I want to see from a long-bodied receiving prospect. So I, you know, I, I go with what I see. Yeah, like Sanso St. Brown from, from yeah. yeah, Notre I, Dame. I, I, I love Mr. Call him ESB. I love ESB. Well, the thing is with him, and, and just before we go to and ESB. He's, and, 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 and by the way, just I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's important to note, I don't expect this kid to come in and just take over the league by storm or anything like that I, I think I mentioned it in the article it's the long arc on this guy that I'm really into yeah um, you know and we'll have to see what the landing spot is and you know these names can will move up and down the list when we get the landing spots but uh, again sort of trying to make a point that I feel like the community as a whole it just feels too low on this kid yeah well I'm going to get to St. Brown in a minute I'm going to make a parallel so yeah. but the, but I want to make a quick parallel to Cortland Sutton because that reminds me of a yeah. conversation that we had when we went uh, deep into receivers with that awesome 2014 class sure um, and, and your description of Cortland's um, of Cortland Sutton reminds me a little bit of the conversation we have about uh, DGB, another acronym, Doriel Green Beckham, who is a big guy who was yeah, big. Who I did not like. Who didn't like, yeah. yeah. It, it just, that just came to me as you were talking about him. And probably yeah. a little bit more talent here, a little less raw, but kind of a similar, similar yeah. issue. I mean, like, I, I didn't like Doriel Green Beckham's ball skills at all. Yeah. Now, I do like Sutton's ball skills. Yeah. So, and I definitely like Sutton more than I liked Green Beckham. Um, the other problem with Green Beckham is he was an off the field nightmare. Yes, and he was hard to coach, and that is borne out. He's basically out of the league. Yep. Um, you know, I thought Green Beckham had maybe more upside than Sutton. He was ro- more raw. Yeah. yeah. You know, I I mean, he could, you know, get out of a break, and he showed some types of potential that, I mean, he was tantalizing. I wouldn't deny that. Yep. But I just. He just looked like a guy who wasn't going to break the right Yeah, way. a lot of red flags there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get to Sometimes my— Sometimes you got to trust your gut. Yeah, it's true. Let's get to my guy, Equinemius St. Brown, who I, re- <laughs> I really like him. And I'll tell you why. I actually saw a special about a month ago on I HBO know, you, Sports. You, you, 
you mentioned this on our yeah. combine podcast. Yeah, and the the um the man the man crush uh, started. I still haven't seen that. So. Yeah, you should watch it because I mean the, the it, there's a there's an Earl Woods well, you know factor. Me. I avoid that stuff like poop. I know you do because but, then all of a sudden my heart's in it. Yeah, I want my heart well that's where I am. Anywhere near this, stuff. <laughs> that, that's where I am. That's my flaw. <laughs> well, you're all heart. That's you're, my that's for my... those people who don't know, folks. Jim Hackett, like. Biggest heart in the planet. Just, I appreciate just so that. You know. I appreciate it's true. that. So I got to I got to play into it. Like I have a slice in golf, and so I just move my stance. I play my I play my slice. You know what I mean? So I'm all hard. I'm emotional. Jim, why guy. are you aiming at the woods? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> not right in the middle of the fairway. But um, so look at St. Brown. There's a little bit of like an Earl Woods factor with him. His their father. So there's three of them, and uh, and ESB is the is the elder. Okay, mm-hmm. graduated in Notre Dame and in the draft now, and uh, he's got younger brothers. But they're all programmed pedigree wide receivers and this guy has been like programming these kids like it or not since they were like five or six years old but from like their diet to uh their skill sets but you know but they're buttoned up man they they've traveled all over the world they speak multiple languages they're jacked i mean they're i mean this, this kid has winning pedigree programmed into him whether he will be or not i can't tell you but I can tell you, I was impressed after the documentary. As fatally flawed as I think the father is, I think it's going to work out well for his kids. So he's basically got like a football tiger dad. Yeah, he's Earl Woods. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, well, you know what? I, for purely selfish reasons, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, he comes off as that kind of kid athletically. Mm. He looks like he's been working on that body. I mean, the kid's uh, he's put together. Um, I'd love to see if he could put on another maybe – Four pounds, something like that. Yeah, he's six five, two fourteen. Right, right. Um, he's a shade under six. I think he's six four point six is the exact measurement, um, which is obviously, quite frankly, I'd rather have him be six four than six five. Yeah. Um, because the longer you get, the further apart those darn synapses are. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he. I'm a big fan of long-bodied receivers as long as they don't play like a long-bodied yeah. receiver. You know. You remember Harold Carmichael? He's always well, the name I go to. Yeah. You know, Cortland Sutton plays more like Harold Carmichael. Mm. You know, and obviously there's nothing wrong. Harold with Carmichael, Carmichael was pretty pretty fun to watch. Pretty though, darn great the, receiver, yeah. but th- he was sort of the the archetype for yeah. that type of receiver. But he is no longer the archetype. And the game has evolved since the Harold right. Carmichael. He, well, that was a flashy guy. That you training know, has revolved. You know, yes. these guys are just better athletes yeah. now. Yeah. And we have seen now these six three plus guys who run routes like smaller receivers. Yep. And I'm sorry, once you once you show me that, that that's my standard. Yeah, and and and, and these guys could like to go get it too. That's a big. Di- I shouldn't say a big. It's like that cause... old Seinfeld joke where he's saying, you know, he really respects the Chinese for sticking with the chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, yeah. because he's like, you know, they've seen the spoon. Yeah, it's available. To them. <laughs> right, right. The spoon's available. They're sticking with it. I, he respects that. So that's sort of what I'm at. It's like you know. I've seen the spoon. Yeah. I'm a spoon guy now. Yeah. Now you need to have it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, that was a no, little, I get bit, you. Of a, a little uh, bit of a tangent, Again, it's the, it's the dead reference society. Well, I, was, <laughs> I, was ta- I was talking with Coach uh, just uh, yesterday, and we were talking about <clears throat> it's important to remember what the standard is. And sometimes what I do when I'm sitting there watching, in, in this case it was quarterbacks, I'm sitting there watching some of the mid-tier quarterbacks, and I'm trying. You almost get to a point where you're trying to talk yourself into liking some of these guys. Mm. And what I do when I find myself in that mindset is I put on Aaron Rodgers tape. Yeah, and then you watch what a real watch, juggernaut watch, quarterback well, looks yeah, like. You watch five minutes of Aaron Rodgers, and all these mere, all of a sudden, these mid-tier guys have an unpleasant aroma. Yeah. And but that's exactly where you need to get. 
because that's the standard. See, you know, I look if I'm at, looking I look at a at, pocket guy, yeah. I'm going to watch some Tom Brady. You know, yep. uh, and, and it's important. If I'm walking, if I if, if I'm looking at a running back, and I'm like, wow, this guy's got some real juju. I like this guy. Mm. Hey, you know what? Let's watch a little Ladainian Tomlinson. Yeah. Oh no no no, that's juju. <laughs> you know this guy's Ladainian light. You know. See, it's interesting because I because instinctively I kind of go the other way. Like when I when I like so I'll I'll look at a guy. You know, like, let's say I'll take a peek at like Josh Rosen. Let's say, and my frame of reference won't be Brady. I'll go back to like Tommy Hodson or Hugh Millen or something, and be like, wow, this guy's like nine hundred miles past those D bags. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because the easy comparison for me is to go to the Hall of Famer that they're never going to attain. You, you, you always make me laugh right when I'm mid-sip. Uh, <laughs> I want them I to be able to get first downs. Splashed on my computer screen. Um, yeah, you need to do it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> we, need to, we need to flip that part of the process. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to remember what a really good NFL player looks like. Yeah, no question. Because that's what we're looking for here, especially when we're talking about, and this is the Fantasy Football Podcast, when we're talking about nailing a dynasty pick, you're not going to nail that by picking up a guy who's a roster clogger. Yep. You know, I mean, it might be a relatively decent pick for where you take him, but if he's not going to ultimately be a solution for you, who cares? Yeah, you waste you wasting your time, right? And your and your roster spot. So I'm, a, you know, I I generally am not a floor drafter. I'm an upside drafter. Yeah. That tends to be the way I go. Yep. Interesting. All right, so Tier 1 has Calvin Ridley from Alabama, St. Brown we've talked about, DJ Moore from Maryland, and Anthony Miller from uh, from Memphis. Yes. So, you know, in terms of adding a little color to these guys, you know, they're four different guys. They all have, you know, equal in terms of uh, potential upside in terms of where they're tiered. They're separating from the pack enough to be in that first tier. Yeah. Give me a little breakdown. We know about St. Brown. He's big. I think he's got the full package, but uh, and Calvin Ridley, we know because he's on TV every week from Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Ridley is a guy who's playing NFL football in the SEC. Yep. Okay. Now the SEC is the closest conference to the NFL. Yes, it is. So when you see a guy doing those things in the SEC, you're like, hey, I think this is going to translate. Good, yeah. So some people are concerned about his age, and he is old. There's no doubt. He's born late 1994. Okay, so he's old, and sometimes that's a little bit of a, a problem. The, the thing with him is he's not bullying guys. Like when you see an older college player who's sort of out-physicaling people, yeah. if you will. That's yeah. not a word, but I'm going to use it. Yeah. When Then you sort of go, well, you know what? He's not going to be able to bully guys at the next level. Right. But Ridley's not bullying people. He's just flat out running great routes, getting out of breaks, creating massive amounts of separation on a consistent basis, and then he catches the football. Yeah. Well, if you can do those two things, folks, you're going to be pretty good. Yep. So I don't think he's a star, but I think he's a pretty good NFL starter. Size limit him a little bit, and although he's very, seen... very predictable to yeah. me. So that's why he's up top because I just he's a predictably good NFL player. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and he's got enough upside to me where I I would have no problem taking him uh, in like middle of the first round of a uh, of a dynasty draft. I heard you about the size. Um, you know he's he's you know he's a little bit over six foot, so he's not small. Mm. He, 189. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd love him to be 200. Yeah, sure. But but that's not a problematic weight at the NFL level. Now, you know, could he run into some injury stuff if he's a volume guy and they're running him into contact? I mean, yeah, sure, maybe. Yep. Um, but you know, he's got he's got like nine pounds under Sean Jackson, um, and I mean, he's basically going to be playing the same kind of role. I yep. think. Um, you know, not quite as, as not, not quite as explosive as Jackson, but he's probably a little bit better in terms of hands and and routes. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, is 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 his weight ideal? No, but I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, it's okay. It won't be a hindrance. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, fair I, his game plays at one ninety. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, fair enough. Yeah, but again, I mean, and that's why again, like if Calvin Ridley was six one two oh five. Well, then we would have a star. In this yeah, place. yeah, okay. That'd be going to do it. We got a star. His name's Calvin freaking Ridley. Yeah. Um, but yes, the the fact that he's a little bit undersized compared to your average, air quote, great receiver. Yep. Sure. But he's still at the top of the number one tier. So yeah, the talent's I mean, there, it, the production's it, it, there, and the program that would, got him there. On an average year, would he be the number one receiver? No. Probably not, yeah. No, he'd be two or three or something yep. like that on an average year. Yeah, makes sense. And, and more of a guy that you could maybe see upside from, but you're not going to get upside where he's going to Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say on a typical year, he's a, he goes in the 22 to 30 range, maybe early second round. Yep. In this draft, it looks like he could uh, go around – 15 or so so and and i've heard him i've seen him mocked in the top 10 although after what happened with john ross last year hopefully oh man what did he get drafted up. did he go seventh or 12th it, like, it was like eighth Ooh, was something absurd. wow i mean we loved him and we yeah. were like oh, he's really a, he's a burner yeah <laughs> i was that one blew me away um but you know bangles yeah i mean that's yeah i mean you know Definition of stupidity and insanity. They, they define it really well. I'm still reeling from the, we're not going to be bringing back Uncle Uncle Morty, and then they do anyway. Unbelievable. I mean, how, how does Marvin Lewis get back in that it, gig? I, I don't know what's, what's going on there. <laughs> He's, I mean, you know, Jeff Fisher's like, I am the unfireable man, and freaking Lewis is like, hold my beer. Oh. <laughs> Ohio is in football turmoil in the NFL. It's ugly stuff. I just yeah. feel bad for Bengals fans. They deserve better. This is not a bad fan base. No, they're a passionate fan base. Absolutely. You know, but they they just... deserve better than the Browns, and they deserve better than Lewis. The criminals from uh, from um, the longest yard have a, a, <laughs> less of a rap sheet than the players they've had on that roster for the last 20 years. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's where every delinquent <laughs> draft pick that makes the NFL ends up going to Cincinnati. So, If the caretaker was their trainer, you think they'd probably murder him? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Well, it wasn't one of the team guys who killed the caretaker. But anyway, um, okay, so we've uh, we've hit Ridley. We've hit, hit Ridley, hit St. Brown, and the other two guys in, in yeah. the top tier are DJ Moore from Maryland. Yeah. Who's uh, he's got a little bit more power on his frame at two ten, same height as Calvin Ridley, right. and then Anthony Miller from Memphis, who is a little shorter, but he's got a little more bulk as well. I just I've got I got a little bit of a man crush on Anthony Miller. I just I just love the way he plays. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm I'm probably not. Well, I'm almost definitely not the first person to make this comparison, but he's he's got a little Steve Smith in him, mm. just in, just in terms of the way he just comes at you, some moxie, and, and just keeps coming at you. You know, I love the way he plays. Um, now he actually is two months older than Ridley. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought he had a little uh, age on him, and and you know his age I think is more like if you want to sit there and knock Miller down because of his age, I, I can. I can accept that a little bit more so than I do with Ridley because he is a guy who gets so physical with these college corners, and he's playing in the American Conference where the corners are not NFL right. caliber. Uh, they so, don't get drafted that way, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I, I'm just saying when he goes to the next level, there might be a little bit more culture shock in mm. terms of, you know, these guys are going to fight back a little bit more than he's used to. Mm. There could be a little bit of an adjustment curve there. But sort of as with Ridley, I feel, you know, when I watch Miller's film, he's doing NFL things. He's doing, he's getting out of breaks. He's, you know, he's, he's got big 10-inch hands, good, definitely good catching the ball, some concentration issues, but overall pretty good hands. I, 
everything I see on film from him should play at the NFL, just maybe not quite at the same level. Yeah, it's going to work. It just not. It might not be quite as lights out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. It makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense if he's able to pick on the like if he's Kramer in the karate class. Yeah, it's well, that's the other happen. thing. If Anthony Miller goes to a team where he's the second receiver and is going to get a lot of matchups with number two corners, then he's. I mean, he could really thrive. Yep. There you go. Right now, DJ Moore is a different kind of bird, um, and it, I was actually really happy because I because I, Elliot, who I already talked to today, I'm not sure if this podcast will go up first or if the one I did with Elliot will go up first, but he and I see more very similarly, which. Uh, was good for me because I know he grinds film mm. maybe even more than me, which is sort of scary. Um, but DJ Moore is a guy where you love what you see. Like, there's not a whole lot that I see that I don't love. Mm. It's what I don't see. Um, and look, sometimes that's because I'm watching broadcast footage where unless I get a replay, I don't actually see the route. Yeah. I see the end of the route and the catch. So, you know, if I could see every single one of his breaks, I might be able to find a couple that say to me, ah, nah, 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 a little more coaching, this kid's going to be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, I sort of feel like I might be 5 to 10% in the dark on this player, just in terms of there might be film out there that I didn't get my hands on. Yeah. Um, so, again, I'm just trying to be open with my process here. Um, but if you take out the routes... And again, it's not that his routes are bad. It's that I'd like to see a little bit more of the in-breaking, out-breaking, you know, drop your hips and, and you know, and stem on guys. Yep. He do, I don't see a ton of that, mm. okay? But the speed, the agility, the after-the-catch ability, um, you know, the vertical. I mean, this kid can just, he can fly. He's explosive. 11 mm. freaking feet on his broad jump. Sub-7-3 cone. You know, everything looks real good. Um so to me, if he gets in the right system where they can develop him a little bit yeah. and help him expand his route tree and you know develop a nice tight out route, this kid could end up being really good. I think you said it at the outset. And he's what, young. This what, kid's young. Yeah, what, what you see from when he catches the ball, that's where it gets uh, Oh, he's, right? he's tough at the catch point. I yeah. mean, for, you know, for a kid who's only six feet tall, he is winning at the catch point. Um, and obviously part of that is the vertical. Uh, part of that is just... You know, having that my ball mentality that we always love. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I'm not as high on conse- as consensus with DJ Moore, but I am by the same token, by no means a detractor. Hmm. It's kind of kind of sounds like what we know. He's number one on a lot of boards. Yeah. It's it's kind of kind of sounds like what we know about Patterson. Now Patterson's a bigger guy, but like what he was able to do when he caught the ball and afterwards was just so eye popping. But maybe yeah. not – where he struggled at the NFL level is kind of getting to a point where he can exhibit those skills. Yeah, I mean, Patterson – you know, I still have huge hopes for Patterson. But Patterson wasn't Especially a natural now. receiver. Right. And part of it is because he did so many other things. Um, and, you know, look, I don't – I'm not going to sit here and say the Vikings blew it with him, but I don't think he was developed that well. Yeah. Um, I think they started – you know, everything you heard about him from, like, day one was what he can't do. Right. Um, I think better coaching staffs define players by what they can do and then build around yep. it. Yeah. It sort of feels like they were tearing him down a little bit. And, and we've talked about this before, but I think the interesting thing when you look at Patterson's career is, to me, he's a worker. He's developed into one of the best gunners in football. Yeah. He's, you know, a great return man, uh, and he's gotten better each year when it comes to playing the receiver position. Now, he's still just okay yep. when it comes to his routes, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to that Belichick quote. 
And I, I think it was sort of dripping with all the coaches up until today have blown it with you. Yeah, that's we're, so, not, we're not going to. Right. That To me, that was the subtext of what he said is, don't worry. We know what to do with you. Yeah. Gonna, what, what was the quote? You're going to be the player you always should have been. Yeah. Something we're like going to make you the player that you always could have been or should have been. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it, it, you know, as somebody who I, I don't have, as I said, I try to keep my heart out of the process. Patterson's one of those rare guys who managed to get inside of him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. And so the only reason I brought that up with DJ, with DJ Moore in How terms of apparel. Like the kid? Just, oh, just watch him run. Go, just, just go to YouTube. The, go the to thing you- that infuriates me about Patterson is I, I think – you know, he's like 219 pounds or something dude. like that. Yep. And when you get a guy who's got that type of ability with the ball in his hands, even if he is the worst route runner in the history of bad route runners, yeah, find a way to put the football in his hands. Yep. It's, it's almost like the Vikings' attitude was, we're going to punish you. We're not going to give you your dessert until you... You know, you can't have your pudding until you eat your meat. You know, it's like it's like another brick in the wall or something. Yep. And you know, it, it, the Vikings were cutting off their own nose to spite their face. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Now look, now they've got Adam Thielen and Diggs, and they're not going to pay ahead. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. They, they, they've they're got gonna, what they need. Yeah, they're going to be just fine. But I, I really do think they. And look, part of this goes back to North Turner, who's long gone from there. But uh, you know, I think they missed an opportunity with this kid. And I, the last thing I'll say on the Minnesota thing with Patterson is, I think Zimmer and he weren't a perfect fit. Yep. That and happens. Think, and Z- for Zimmer, he was pre-existing furniture. So it's, I'm not going to kill Zimmer because he didn't draft him. Right. But uh, sometimes we talk about landing spot being such a big deal. And Patterson's a good example of that. He landed in a place where they wanted to use him. The brain trust gets taken out after the first year. And now he's going through a new thing every year. Yep. And he lands with Oakland. So hopefully now he, he's at a place in New England where they're going to use his positive skills and if there's something he's not good at they'll find someone yeah. else to do find that. a way to use them sure yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah. so anyway right. that, the, the, not a quarter of Patterson podcast we're done no yeah but the, I just brought it up just because mm-hmm. just of what you said I was just kind of like listening and yeah. trying to reflect a little bit um, and it just struck me in terms of what you've seen with DJ Moore yeah. and, and have not yeah. um, Patriots so. are going to be so much fun this year I think so uh, so let's go let's look at tier two okay so we talked a little bit about Christian Kirk he was the first guy I wanted to mention because he's a guy I was pretty familiar with yeah. Cortland Sutton that you know, Pete talked about yep. this. So the second tier are the receivers ranked right now heading into the draft five yep. through eight. Um, and there's two other guys there. One is DJ Clark from LSU and Dante Pettis from Washington. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I almost want to – maybe what I should have done here is bumped Sutton up into the first tier and then connected tier two and tier three because the drop-off from two to three is like nothing. Um I you can know. see that you labored on it because there's a, there's a ton of players in the third. Oh tier yeah, as no, well. it's just it's this this class. As I said, it's kept me up nights. Yeah, I, I literally have been there at two in the morning, staring at the ceiling. You know, not counting receivers, but counting second and third receivers. <laughs> it's just brutal. I mean, well, I because you want clarity. Yeah, you want to be able to. Speak you want to be definitive when when you. Put yeah, your you want to be able to speak it. with yeah. some authority and be definitive. And but the bottom line is, I have a lot of guys with like six out of ten grades. Yeah. Just a ton of them. Yeah. So how do you separate all these guys? Um, but uh, who do we want to hit first? Who's, okay. your, who's your next guy? You, I was going to say, yeah. Drive d- the ship. Let's do DJ Chark. Okay. Um, now, here's a guy where, quite honestly, I hesitated uh, putting this guy this high. Here's the thing with DJ Shark. He has got the skills 
that the NFL craves in a lot of ways. It would surprise me if he got out of the third round. So I know this guy's going to have draft capital on his side. Mm. I know he's got a skill set that's going to get him on the field early because he can take the top off the defense. So he's a guy who's going to be afforded a lot of chances. And he's a guy who's, you know, as I've, I've worn this quote out a little bit over the years, but as Pete Carroll says, uh, big, fast guys are the fewest around. Mm. And he's a big, fast guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, 6'3", 200. I mean. The thing that just drives me nuts about Shark is his ball skills are awful. And um, I don't know what I said in the article. Something to the effect of, call me crazy, but I have this thing about receivers who can't catch. Um, <laughs> and he's a receiver who can't catch. Now, yeah. obviously, he can catch. But even when he successfully catches the ball, it's often an adventure. Mm. You know, like the body catches aren't even clean body catches. Like if he just, his hand-eye coordination is mediocre. Like uh, That's I mean, a worry at the NFL if, level. If I was his position coach, I would send him to the eye doctor and see if maybe his contacts need to be tweaked. Mm. Um, he just doesn't catch it cleanly, whether it's hands or body. Um, and, you know, one thing that always bugs me, and it's not it's not a fatal flaw. It doesn't mean you're never going to be any good. But when I see guys who are jumping up in the air and catching it off their so chest they, so they can avoid using their hands, yeah. that's a tell. Not good. That's a tell that you don't want to use your hands. Yep. And that's not good. Yep. You know, it's not a good thing. Now, the, And here's the irony. When Shark is put in a position where he absolutely has to use his hands and you take the active mind out of the process because he's doing it reflexively. So if he's stretched out yep. and he has to go up and use his hands... He can catch it. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's almost better than when he bodies the ball. Mm. So, like, I mean, if I were his position coach, I mean, I would, like, literally say every time you try to body catch, you're running. You know? Yeah, make him like Willie Mays Hayes. Make him yeah, do push-ups. Like, like, we know you can body catch the ball, but, you, you know... And, and if I have, I'll speak the, you know, the language of his future, you know, dude, you know, how many, how many contracts do you want in the NFL? Yeah. There's no, there's not enough time to body catch the ball in the NFL. You got to get that thing well, in your hands and keep it there. You know, you body catch the ball sometimes in traffic when you're trying to transition to the run quickly, you know, you catch it with your body when it's too low and you don't want to, you don't want to go palm up to catch the ball. I mean, there are times to use your body. We, I think most of us sort of instinctually understand when those times are. Yep. But you also have to be able to catch the ball outside your frame. And and people, I think, sometimes don't quite do the full math in terms of what are the what are the larger effects of being a body catcher. The large effect of being a body catcher is your catch radius is tiny. Right. It's the size of the number on your chest. Yep. Well, a good receiver's catch radius is their entire wingspan plus their vertical. Yeah, look at Gronk. He takes it right. from the shoelaces to the top right. of the, uh, a foot over his, two feet over his helmet. So if I'm a receiver and I know that I'm in a tight coverage situation and the ball is out in front of me, I want to catch the ball outside of my frame, away from the defender, get a grip on it, and then bring it into my body. Mm. I don't want to let it come into the numbers where the, where the defender can reach his arm in and poke the ball out at the point of reception, right? Yep. Like There are reasons why good hands help and when you're a quarterback and you know that the catch radius is basically the number in their chest you are going to be less likely to try to fit balls into that receiver yeah so it's going to negatively affect your target total so and you know it's a real thing and yeah. i understand some people are like ah there's nothing wrong with body catching well i'm not saying it's the it, it, it's not it's not a, a death nail but it's not a good thing to it's have it's not a yeah. fatal flaw but yeah. it's a flaw yeah yeah 
Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, all right, that's p- enough. Particularly now, I mean, we just said at the outset, there's so many good receivers out there. Like, you know. Well, yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. There's more competition at the position yeah. now. This kid has something he can hang his hat on. He ran four three four. Yeah. Now four three four two hundred six three. It's wheels. <laughs> yeah, that's, yep. those guys do not grow on trees. Yeah. And you know, my guess is Shark goes in the third round, and you know. Early on in his career, he's going to be a deep threat. He's going to catch some long touchdown passes. Um, he'd be a great fit for a guy like Newton or Flacco, uh, Wentz, you know, that kind of strong-arm quarterback. Yeah. Um, but my problem with Shark and the reason I, I wasn't willing to push him up even higher and the reason why I'm going to be careful about how I draft him is that it's going to take him time to become a receiver who can be any type of volume receiver. There's just no way you're catching like 85 balls the way he catches Well, it. quarterbacks aren't no going to trust him. You know, I mean... I, I, Even if they do, I just don't... I mean, I think you're right. But, I mean, I, it, it's just... You know, again, this is a fantasy football podcast. We're, and most of the leagues that most of our listeners play in are, are at least half PPR, most probably full PPR. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, catching a long touchdown every three or four weeks... Doesn't really help you. It doesn't pay the bills. No. Right. It only helps you in best ball. It really, because right. you can't play those guys. Right now, as a, as a chess piece for a football team, you want one guy who can clear out, be a deep threat, take the top off. Yeah, absolutely, he can be a chess piece. But if you want to be, a, you know, but he's going to be a very specific chess piece. He's going to be, you know, a pawn or a horse. He's not going to be a queen. Well, I think you made a reference in your article. You, you talked about like Ted Ginn or Tory Smith. Those are guys you can you can. You can use, you know, you get with, the, with in a game and and get some separation and get a big score, but tough on a fantasy roster, man. I, you and I have always talked, and a, a friend of ours in one of the leagues we play in, you know, like guys like Devery Henderson or Robert Meacham back in the past. So, you know, he's got to look great in your bench when you're trying to make a trade. Henderson, afraid Henderson, to get him on your lineup, you know. Yeah, Henderson's an excellent example. In yeah. fact, I think in the podcast uh, that I just uh, recorded with Elliot, I. I think I mentioned Henderson. Used, yeah, so a guy like uh, that. When it comes to Shark. He can win you four games, but he might be on your bench in those right. four games. You and know for what, what it's worth, Devery Henderson, better hands than Shark. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so, there you go. I, you know, if he if he catches it like Devery Henderson, maybe we have something. Yeah. And now obviously, Devery didn't catch it real well. Yeah. Um, so next guy on the list. One more guy on the yeah. second tier is uh, Dante Pettis. Now, this is yeah. a guy. Another uh, guy who got in a little bit. Little, this guy got a teeny little piece of my heart. Well, I was going to say, I always can tell when you when you kind of frame it up with how the Patriots, as I know you have such a respect as I do for, for how they how they go about it, and mm-hmm. anyone that would fit really hits the kind of the uh, oh, that's right. sweet that's spot. Right. You know? So I'm not looking at my article right now, but you're right. I put him as one of the, what, five or six guys? Yeah, that could. I mean, I think yeah. he's going to go too high when the Patriots have too many needs. Again, right. you Can know. the Patriots even use a sixth rounder on a receiver? No. I, I don't think they no, can. No, I think they're right. UDFAs. I mean, I yeah. really do. Yeah. So, But anyway, but he's got a lot of the stuff that fit what they do really well. So yeah. if you look at maybe like copycat situations, you know, where like, you know, maybe, I don't know, Houston or maybe yeah. without, I think you got Vrabel in well, Tennessee Pettis now. Look, Pettis would look great in Houston. Yeah. They, could, they could use a slot because Braxton Miller hasn't become a slot no. yet. Though I, I, I most definitely have not given up on Braxton Miller. But, um, yeah, Pettis, uh, Texans, Saints, uh, you know, any place where the, where, where the quarterback really looks for the slot. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Pettis could actually maybe fill a void if he stays close to home. You know, I think the Seahawks could use him. How about Miami? You know, they get uh, Miami's no Landry. Old. They're loaded with those slots though. Now mm. they, they brought you know they they brought in Albert Wilson and um, I don't. Well, you know what? Who knows with the Dolphins? Tannenbaum's a lunatic. I'm but, just thinking with a with yeah. a loss like Landry. You know, who I hope really he doesn't go that. there just yeah. because I don't like Tannehill. And and I, you know, they've they've got at least four receivers. I think, uh, you know, who can who will be competing? With yeah, them. yeah. Um, but uh, but a guy who can play in that role in the NFL potentially because you know, I'm trying to think now. Like, where would be a good spot for him? I'm you know, tra- maybe the maybe the Chiefs. Well, that's. I mean, be... it wouldn't be a good spot for him in terms of fantasy value, but um, you know, s- since you know, I don't. What a change look... that offense is going through. I mean, th- you don't really know yeah. what to expect, right? Because well, most of it the all guys changes have, at Mahomes. You know, they've got four good outside guys now. I don't know who they're. You know, I don't think they're going to use DeAnthony Thomas in the mm. slot. So um, that could be a place for him. Um, I'm thinking you know, he, accuracy. He mesh well with the Rivers, but there's no room for receivers on yeah. that team. Yeah, um, I'm thinking I, accuracy. Is like I'm trying I, to think. Know, you know. I'll tell you what. Here, here's here's a spot for Dante Pettis. Oakland. Oh, it's just thinking that. You, you know, know, because yeah. Gruden loves fundamentally sound receivers. Yeah. He loves team-first guys. Yeah. Uh, and they could use a slot. So yeah. he could be a fit in Oakland. Mm. Interesting. And, yeah. it, it, and by the way, Dante Pettis is the son of... Gary Pettis? Gary Pettis. Yeah, former Angel. Good player. Yeah. So Good play. Hell of a leadoff hitter, Gary Pettis. Serious wheels. Like, so. blood, like bloodlines, yeah. yeah We've talked so. about that. Yeah, I'm, I I happen to be a little bit of a believer in that. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to overplay it. You don't want to say because he's some guy's son, he must be X. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we've all seen it. There's yeah. like that one family at your high school and all five of the sons are like sports stars. Yeah. You know? I mean, this stuff, it works that way. Well, so, that's what I think the St. Brown family is going to be like. That's why I got my eye on it. They bred that. Yeah. He's, the father bred them that way, you know? So... Really so, did. so I like Pettis. I love, I love his routes. I love his hands. I love his chutzpah. Um, and, I mean, I've, I've liked him a long time too because I, you know, I spent a lot of time watching John Ross film last year, and uh, and I still love Ross. Hopefully, he breaks free of his Man, shackles. And he just got in, he got in the doghouse fast and stayed well, there. And he, I mean, he, he was hurt. Yeah, it just, it just didn't happen rookie year. Yeah. But what what sucks is you get the feeling that they may be holding it against him going into year two, which mm. is typical Bengals. Like, yeah, yeah, talk down your own asset, you freaking moron. Well, that's just stupid <laughs> because like if I'm, if I'm game planning against that team, he's a guy that maybe doesn't occur to me, you know, as, as much as he potentially should and then you can unleash that weapon you know what yeah, I mean it's I mean, well, so stupid knows? maybe they're trying to light a fire under the player yeah. but you know again like if, if he really is a guy that you're not sure about why would you be talking him down well the other thing too is we always say like you know, we, we, in, in Bill we trust like you know I trust that the Patriots will make the right decision at quarterback and to fill the needs that they have it's the exact opposite with a team like Cincinnati I don't trust that, they're, that whatever they're doing is going to motivate that player at all I trust them to screw up yeah exactly uh, Exactly. I, you know, the thing about Cincy, like if I was running that team, there's no way I let Zimmer out the door. You know? Mm. Like Mike Zimmer's interviewing, screw it. I'm firing Lewis today and I'm promoting Zimmer. Yeah, you would, think. You, you know? would think. you would think, but... What are you going to do? Didn't happen. Um, so let's 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 move into the third tier. Do a little lightning and, round on some guys that you really like, because because I know they kind of all blend together, particularly now we don't know time. where they are. Where are we at time-wise? Looks like we're an hour in. Oh, are we? Yeah, wow. yeah. Oh, this really flew. It did fly. Um, okay. Uh, 
guys I really like. Well, someone... You got to talk about Antonio Callaway. Yeah. Because he has so much ability that if he... Gets his head on straight. Gets on the straight and narrow. Yeah. That happens. If he goes fairly high and we find out from the team that drafted him that they, they really like him and they did a deep dive and spent a lot of time with him and they really feel like he's matured and he's over the hump. Mm. He's got as much talent as anybody in this class. Yeah. Anybody. Yep. And so he could be a guy where his past will slide him down the board a little bit in your rookie drafts. And, you know, if if he's got a good landing spot and I can get a guy like Callaway in the second round of a rookie draft, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. So definitely a guy I like. Um, let's talk about route guys because there's not a ton of them in this class. Mm. Um, so I'm just going to go through my favorite route runners of the class. It's Ridley. It's Anthony Miller. Dante Pettis, who we just spoke about. And yep. then the next guy after Callaway on the list is Sean Hamilton out of Penn State, mm. who is just beautiful. Just a beautiful route runner. Um, some similarities to Godwin from last year. Okay. Um, you know, sort of cut from the same mold. Not Probably not quite as talented as Godwin. Um, but, uh, you know, Hamilton ran pretty well at his pro day. If, if, if the information coming out of Penn State can be trusted and he actually clocked a 447, that would really be great for him mm. because that's enough with his route ability. That's more than enough speed. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he weighed over 200 pounds, uh, and, and he's a shade over six foot. So this is a guy you want to talk about a guy. And I think I must've included him in my Patriot guys. I had to. Let me take a peek. Look it up. I had to, there's no way. I yeah, could. you did. Um, I could definitely see this kid ripping it up as a Patriot. Mm. Um, and he and could I, fall to where they, maybe if, if he was on their draft board, even though the, the need isn't there, and it really isn't, that maybe they just take throw a dart, you know? Let's put it this way. If Green Bay drafted this guy, I'd be a little worried if I were Randall Cobb. Mm. Let's put it that way. Well, look at Yeah, he should be worried anyway. I mean, he can't stay on the I mean, he, he Actually, I shouldn't say that. He yeah. does stay on the field, but he's not healthy yeah. when he's out I have there. a good feeling about Cobb this year. I feel like maybe he can... He can get back to his old stuff. Yeah. I feel like he's a real value in drafts because yeah. you can get him like the 10th round, which yeah. is, I mean, a starting Aaron Rodgers receiver in the 10th round. Yeah. It's insane. And he's also going to be looking for some familiarity, I think, too, like yes. Rodgers, you know, and that's the yeah. guy that yeah. he I could mean, go he to. He and Devante at this point are, are, are yeah. you know, the guys with the, uh, with the history, with yep. the quarterback. Um, so, yeah, definitely like uh, Hamilton a lot in terms of his, his routes and his hands are top shelf. He's also just, he's one of those kids where you listen to him talk and you're like, oh, man, get me. Give me fifty of this guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you you can't have enough Deshaun Hamiltons on your team. He's Penn State just, kid, yeah. He's one of those guys who leads the receiver room. Everybody falls in line behind him and works their tail off. He's he's really one of those kids that you want to have around. Mm. Um, so I, I'm rooting for him for sure. Um, I'm going to jump a tier down. Yeah, let's I, do it. I, just because I know there's a bit of a love affair that you have with Northern Iowa and uh, David Johnson like jumped <laughs> off the charts a couple of years ago. Well, as but you there's know, a receiver there that I think uh, might catch your eye if I know yeah. if I know my friend well. Well, as you know, um, my my scouting partner, coach, yep. uh, he that's where he coached. Yeah, <laughs> coached, coached. Yeah. University Northern of Northern Iowa, Iowa. Yep. and uh, he was a quarterbacks and a receivers coach, and obviously way before um, even Kurt Warner's time. Right, uh, but um, yeah, Fountain's a guy we like. He's he's sort of an easy strider. He's two hundred and ten pounds. Yeah, so he's six more one. than big enough. Yeah, um, you know, you know, looks like he's got pretty pretty good sized hands. Although I don't have an official measurement, uh, but he ran well at his pro day. Four four six at his weight and height is. Is fine. I mean, forty-two-five vertical. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. um, and the thing is, 
there are some guys where you see the vertical and then you never see it on the field. Fountain's a guy where you saw it on the field he, he first. Uses it, he uses yeah. He confirmed it with yeah, his vertical. Yeah. He's a guy who just sort of just glides up into the air and, and makes uh, nice catches with his hands. He's got strong hands at the catch point. So he might be a little raw. I, I you know, I, I'd be sort of surprised if Doris Fountain was like the big name this year as a rookie. Mm. But if he lands in a spot where he's going to get a little bit of time, uh, and if, if he has enough draft capital where they're going to keep him around, uh, definitely a guy I like. And then the guy right, the guy right after him, Justin Watson. Ivy League, yeah. Is, is another one where, you know, I heard about him, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, where'd he play? Penn? Yeah. And then I'm sort of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, Penn? They're, really? e- they're easy to dismiss. <laughs> yeah, well, but look, in my defense... I, I still went out and watched, um, and the film that I could get my hands on was like, okay, well, pretty good. Something um, there, yeah. But, you know, he's blowing by, you know, Hackett and Davidson. Yeah, right. Yeah, ex- yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's an issue. But the thing is, he was smart kid, went down to the senior bowl. Played you know, well. Put, put himself up against better competition, and he shined. Yeah. So that's... That's huge for him. Another mm. another kid, four four two, forty inch vertical, six two two fifteen. Now those are all attention getters, um, and he showed pretty good route work, pretty solid hands. Um, I don't know when he's going to get drafted, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, you know I, I, the same thing with him and Fountain. It's I I would rank these guys even higher, but a I've got a lot of respect for the guys ahead of him. Yeah, and b probably more so. How how much can I lean in with five to ten minutes of film? Yeah, no, you can't. You know, I, I you know, you can basically say I like that guy. It's like watching, right. It's like watching March Madness and like looking at the guards play. Like, oh, that guy can play, but I mean, you've got a very short sample size there. Right. Yeah. So, so the NFL is sort of going to be sort of going to be my guide on these guys because I know they've got they don't have ten minutes of film. Yeah. They've got a lot of film, and they also got to meet these guys, sit down with them, test them. You know, work them out, all that stuff. So if Watson or Fountain jumps up into the third, fourth round, then my suspicions become confirmed, and I get very interested. Mm. As opposed to suddenly losing interest. <laughs> <laughs> I got that one. I know you got it. Nobody else did. <laughs> no, um, and we're not. And we're certainly we're not, not going to say it. Yeah, it. It's, exactly. it's a Kevin Nealon bit. It, maybe you know, maybe you don't. You have to stay tuned for another one Full when we do stop. the obscure reference podcast. <laughs> right. right. Um, and then the other two guys in this tier, same kind of thing. I love the athleticism of Corey Robertson and Jamon Moore. Um, I, I didn't have tons of film on Robertson, not as much as I wanted. And Moore is just a kid who's raw. He's a big guy. Yeah, I like him a lot, but I see another two to three year curve in terms of becoming what I think he can become. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of rookie drafts, you have to be careful. If you're going to go after Jamon Moore, I'm fine with that. But make sure you understand you're probably looking at a long play. Mm. Um, and some dynasty leagues are set up where long plays hurt you because you're killing a roster spot for two to three years. Um, so, you know, he's one of those guys. So be forewarned. All right. One, one, one guy I'll just throw out there, and I don't know if you have a yeah. lot of film work on this guy. but We the, just got through 20. That's yeah, but the, the little guys always intrigue me. And, and the little guy that jumps off the page this year is Richie James from Middle Tennessee State. 5'10", like 178. I like Richie James quite a bit. Um, and, you know, there's one, another, you know, tiny little guy who could conceivably 
become maybe because we just said undrafted free agent. Uh, Braxton Berrios out of Miami. Mm, mm. You know he's he's got he's got a little bit of that Patriot thing going. Crazy yeah. quick feet, phenomenal routes, good hands. Um, <laughs> but I mean the thing about him is he I mean twenty eight inch arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's like have you ever seen um, Toy Story? <laughs> Yes, I have. He's Rex. Yeah. He can't hit the joystick and the spouse button at the same that, time. That's great. <laughs> he can't reach. So, you know, I mean, just the shortest arms I've seen on yeah. a wide receiver prospect he, like ever. Yeah. Um, He's so going to need Brady yeah. to just throw it in, throw it in right. between the button in between his chest. So and I the... think the short arms keep him from getting drafted, but he's he's fast. He can jump. He, he's got a lot going for him. Um, he doesn't love... pay a lot of bills either. Yeah, right? I'd, I'd he love to pick see... up a lot of checks. Yeah. He's not reaching a lot of checks for sure. Um, but I'd like to see this kid get a shot in the camp somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he definitely fits that uh, that mold you were talking about. And, and then the last year – are all guys that should be taken seriously, which is why they made the last year. Yeah. All the way down to Jaleel Scott at 30. All of these guys have some real positives. Uh, I like Jeff Badet out of Oklahoma. He's a guy who bounced around a little bit, but man, the guy can absolutely fly. He's an older prospect, but uh, I think he's a guy who I just don't hear anyone talking mm. about him. And I, I, I I think he's going to get drafted. I I'm really also do. I'm also interested in the receivers that you know play for the programs that have the big quarterbacks coming out. You know, so you got Jordan Lasley's another guy. Yeah, just, speaking of what you just said, yeah, from UCLA, um, uh, he's a guy I wanted to move up, and I could easily move him up my board. Um, you know, he's at 25, but I could easily put him at 15. Um, again, these guys are tight; they're tightly grouped. Um, so you know, Lasley tracks the deep ball as well as anyone in this class. Mm. Uh, he's got good hands. He's got some size to him. He just he doesn't have that one skill to hang his hat on. Um, but I think he'll get drafted and play in the league. And there's a sleeper. He's a he's a tier five receiver. Yeah. You know, twenty one to thirty. So that's a guy maybe right. you can mark he's as a Josh sleeper. Rosen's big 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 producer. Yeah, big. you know. And then there's a, a they got a receiver at the bottom tier, thirty one to forty. Was at USC. So it's like a, you know another one of the the great quarterback, you know, uh, targets that Deontay, was out there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Burnett, 5'11", 186. He's a shrimp. Yeah, but... I'm not, I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge Burnett fan, but, you, you you know, you can't deny it. The kid's got some speed. He's got some quickness. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap on our receiver pod, Pete. We will be back. We're going to do running backs or tight ends next. What do you want to do next? Well, I'm as soon as we sign off here, I'm going to pick up my air quote pen and um, – Start writing the uh, the running back article. Yeah, excellent. So be, I'm looking forward to the running backs. It's a good yeah, class this it, year. It'll be running backs tomorrow, and uh, then uh, Wednesday, or depending on when you're available, we'll or maybe Thursday, we'll uh, we'll knock out the tight ends. All right, man. All right, sounds good. So this is uh, well, you're listening to it, so you know where it is, and uh, you can give us any feedback you like at, at @rotobon for Pete at @rotobon hack. So we'll be back. Tight ends, running backs. Oh my! And the draft is Thursday. Enjoy, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.